0: To Strange Table Fellows Unlimited, the interview show where we like to STF you for once and listen to the wise words of our wonderful guests. I'm your host, Zach, joined as always by my friend, Adam. How's it going, man?
1: It's going. It's, it's, going. A, it's a lovely Tuesday. It
0: is a lovely Tuesday and even more lovely because we are joined by not one, but four guests. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I was surprised too. (laughs) Uh, The Starfinder development team, uh, uh, the Starfinder development team is here. I should say, welcome to Thurston Hillman, Jenny Jarzabski, Dustin Knight, and Jessica Catalan. Hey, hello, everyone. Thank you guys so much. Hi. Hi. Hi.
2: Um. So for those
0: uh, of our listeners out there who may not be familiar, and because this is an audio medium, would you all? Maybe just introduce yourselves and, you know, kind of what your role is in the Starfinder team.
1: We'll start with Thurston. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Otherwise, we're
3: going
0: to be like, like, <laughs> but, but, but you really That's
1: my only role here is to just <laughs> yeah. kind of like push things along, you know, it's good, it's good.
4: Hi, my name is Thurston Hillman. I'm the managing creative director for the Starfinder team. Uh, my job is to uh, herd all of the various cats and dogs and nanites that are uh, involved in the Starfinder brand. Um, and you know, most recently, um, handling the the Starfinder brand and like what our plans are for the future and all of that. So that is
0: me. All right, all right Jenny.
5: Yeah, I am Jenny Jarzabski. I am Starfinder's senior developer, uh, kind of similar to Thirsty. I and everyone in the team, we take part in creative discussions and we plan kind of the future. Uh, we are at our battle stations in these meetings. Uh, he, our fearless Thurston, our fearless leader does not have to go this alone. Um, I typically have worked on adventure content in the past. Uh, so that is mostly of what I have done. Um, starting with organized play and then coming over to the Starfinder team to lead Adventure Paths.
6: All right, fantastic. And Dustin? Uh, Yeah, my name is Dustin Knight. I am the Starfinder developer. Uh, I also get to participate in all the awesome creative talks that we have going on. And uh, I tend to lean toward trying to tell all of our space cats and space dogs what they can and can't do.
0: Okay, like rules, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, development, yeah. Okay, Mechanics, Okay, rules. okay, yeah, all right, yeah. all right.
4: Very good, very good. Dustin and- does our math; he's really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so it. Yeah, <laughs> I
6: just I have a, a monitor finder. here yeah. just for Excel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, and Jessica.
2: Yeah, my name is Jessica Catalan. I am the Starfinder Society developer here at BISO. Uh, so I am tackling all of these Starfinder Society scenarios you'll see coming out. Um, planning the seasons for that, planning our overarching storylines, hiring all our authors, and on top of that, I'm also hanging out with the rest of the Starfinder team and helping out with uh, all that crazy stuff we got going on right now.
0: Right, right, right. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you all so much for being here again. It's really a pleasure to have you all. Um, So we are here to talk about the big news, right? The announcement of Starfinder 2nd Edition. So... It's a pretty big shift for Paizo and for the Starfinder brand, as you all are probably more acutely aware than anyone, um, and, but we know you're all excited to talk about it. So let's get into some of these hype questions, and then we'll get into some of these more commonly uh, voiced concerns, if you will. So let's dive in, right? What well, First thing, why, why a second edition for Starfinder? Why now? Why do you all think that Starfinder is ready or needs a second edition?
4: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leap on the grenade right yeah, off yeah. the bat. Go for it.
0: <laughs> so, so there are a couple of reasons one
4: this has been in the the works for a while like we've been talking about this for the better part of two years at this point of doing this um you know we've had internal discussions and even even before that but like it's kind of come up you know more and more in the last two years um you know certainly as a as a game reaches the end of what we consider like a life a proper lifespan and proper life cycle um you know we want to reinvigorate things we want to look at how we can update and change things um and realistically we just there's a lot of new tech and new assumptions in role-playing games going forward. Um, You look at a lot. It's really funny. I just had a I had a game recently where I was taking some people I've been playing PF2 through uh, through some Starfinder first edition. And there were just assumptions that people had, because that's kind of what's more and more in like gaming zeitgeist and, you know, culture. So, you know, that's been really one of the the main drives is sort of modernizing a lot of the tech. And I, I've spoken about this before. Um, Starfinder has kind of stumbled on its own success through Pathfinder in a way, because, you know, Hey, we did this, we released Starfinder after Pathfinder First Edition, and everyone was like, Wow, there's all this cool new tech in Starfinder. I really like what they're doing with Starfinder. And then sure, Pathfinder 2nd edition came out and it's like, wow, there's all this cool tech in Pathfinder 2nd edition. I wonder when we'll get it in Starfinder. And so we've we've been tripping over ourselves in terms of just like people who want some of the new tech, some people who like some of the new systems we've developed. Um and thus, you know, maybe put a game on hold with some of the, the recent developments on the Pathfinder side of things, uh, especially as I, you know, mention certain events that maybe happened last January, to which all of my team recoils in horror at the memories of that. Um, uh, there- oh, gee. Yeah, oh. <laughs> some, some, something something happened involving like coastal spellcasters. I'll on was, that grenade for yeah, you. Uh, time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> There there was a whole thing that that occurred, and like you know that. Made us uh, at Paizo reevaluate where we were at with some of our projects. It made us, you know, switch to now doing the Orc license, which we've been moving, you know, Pathfinder Second Edition towards. Um, and so, certainly, Starfinder has to follow. You know, as a company, we we just can't take the risk anymore of right. being on some of these older licenses, and that requires updating. So, at the same time, we might as well do a new edition, right? That makes sense. But but on top of that, because we're doing this remaster uh, initiative for Pathfinder, of which you know several of the staff members here were actually a part of the design and development of that which was kind of one of the stepping stones that leads us to where we are today Um, it was really important that we you know get the both systems on parity at about the same time so that we don't have this gap, but this big gap, like we're talking four or five years between systems, because by the time we get a game out and get it established, well, guess what? The next edition's already coming out. And then we're, we're again, we're in this vicious cycle. Uh, And so this, this just made a lot of sense as far as the timing. Um, And I, I think, you know, my, my team can probably elaborate on that if they have some stuff as well, but like that, that was sort
6: of the, the key impetus for us. Yeah, I I can elaborate on that. I'm cursed. Um, (laughs) During my job interview, which was in November, um, I I was asked, you know, what book would you be most excited to work on? And I'm like, okay, I gotta be honest, like a Starfinder 2E core rule book would be amazing, but I don't expect to be able to work on that for a long time, but that's my honest answer. And then like, yeah. forward a few months (laughs) and oh boy! (laughs) Right, oh, yeah. right. So,
0: did um, I mean, certainly you said that Starfinder Two uh, E has been in development for the, the better part of two years. That's
3: it's it's been to on say. the
0: table.
4: It's been on okay. the table. That's like like de- de- development and like you know being
0: on the table and being planned and discussed for two
4: very different right. things. Sure, like, sure. But I
0: mean, there's yeah. been talk of of using the three action system converting to Star. I mean, that was like. From the as time soon two as Tui e came, came out, came yeah. out and everyone yeah. was like, "Exactly, we need- yeah. yeah." So, but would you say that the the debacle with these coastal uh, spellcasters accelerated <laughs> that that development pace?
5: Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, but honestly, I think it's a positive because, you know, uh, what Thirsty was explaining about how we we really have been talking about this and wanting to do this for a while, but didn't have the resources. It's like, all right, yep, we got to press the accelerate button. We can, you know, dedicate resources to this. We're at a great point because Dustin and myself have been working on remaster with the rules and lore team, which was great experience and got us really under the hood of like the, the PF2 rules. Um but I will also say that I just really think it's positive because a lot of times in Starfinder, if you notice, we still have creatures and lore from Pathfinder. I mean, it's it's the same multiverse as Pathfinder. It's just in space and in the right. future. Nice. So we we have to, you know, we have to set aside space in <laughs> space in all of our books to have Pathfinder creatures that we just kind of, you know, we change them a little bit, we modernize them, we make them w- fit with the Starfinder rules. But now we don't really have to do that going forward because you can just give those, those creatures a gun now. So, like, that's kind of what we're creating is just this ability for the home GM, but also for our adventure authors and our devs and designers to be able to do, like, kind of a plug and play thing where we don't have to reinvent the wheel for both settings for both systems. We can truly just have, you know, two different settings, two different games, but like one rules chassis that, you know, unites both of them. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's selfishly, it's so much easier on us, but I really think it's going to be great for the players and GMs too.
1: Do you think that that like, uh, even frees up space to develop other aspects of the game right like you you don't you don't have to put pages about a, a blue dragon because that you already have that right so then you can use those pages for other other things is that the kind of hope that comes from you guys as designers and and you know curators of the of the system I see Jessica nodding vociferously. That's so
2: <laughs> definitely going to be a benefit, especially when it comes to adventures, whether you're literally someone writing for us as Paizo, right? Or just a person from a home game. Like, how many times in an adventure do we all of a sudden have to go, oh, look, we're going to the first world. I wish I had some insert pretty much any anything ever, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay, so now my authors or me at the table have to spend our word count recreating something we've already created, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead, we can just pull them in in a sentence or two, or just pull them in from another book or free off of the archives of this, right? And spend that time on something else that's more unique to the game and putting more stuff into the game rather than having to retread something. Mm-hmm. So even if just like a basic sense at your table, that's that's a big benefit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So before we get into nuts and bolts, what, uh, each of you, what are you most excited about for Starfinder 2? Do
4: me Star... last this time.
0: Okay. All right. Let's, <laughs> Jessica, let's take it back to you then.
2: Um, So I'm really excited to push our setting forward. Like to take a look at all the planets and the systems and the factions in our setting and wonder where they all are in the future, right? To consider all of the adventures we've already put out, all of our adventure paths, our modules, our society scenarios, all those little dangling plot hooks that we never have a chance to go pick up on and just embrace all those events and bring them into our games foundations while kind of simultaneously launching us into something new you know to see how it's changed the galaxy and the people in it this is really a chance for us to pick what stories we want to tell going into this edition what events we want to build to you know what new dangers are there in starfinder what political powers are making their mark now right what villainy is on the rise you know like What are the new trends in technology and entertainment? Like, these are all questions that the whole team has had plenty of meetings about, and it has been incredibly rewarding to get to dig into that. Like, we have fun meetings, and getting to spend just as much time considering the setting and the stories and the story implications of Starfinder, Mm -hmm. just as much as we do the mechanics that we're bringing in, has just been really delightful. It's been a lot of fun
0: yeah i think the setting in the world building that happens in starfinder is like probably the you know to me the most appealing aspect of it right because there's just so much that you can do with it and um i know me personally i obviously want more fleshed out packed worlds themselves you know no worry you'll be very going, happy. going forward <laughs> good 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 okay all right well excellent uh what about you dustin what are you most excited about for 2e
6: uh, well, uh, today my
1: answer what? I'm sorry <laughs> Spreadsheets?
6: Oh, spreadsheets, yeah, yeah Oh, man, man, man If only I could get Paizo to, uh, talk into, uh, introducing D3 and a halves, then no Oh, God. okay, no oh, God. We've had these talks, no Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But in all seriousness uh, Today my answer is going to be, uh, ancestries I love the diverse, huge set of ancestries in Starfinder, and I want to see them them also fleshed out uh deeper with more added to them which the mechanics of uh pathfinder second edition really helps you do i mean just compare like i'll just pick a random ancestry completely random compare like a kitsune in uh pathfinder uh <laughs> totally to, compared to starfinder you know in starfinder yeah they're great they get you know transformation and like bonus to like acrobatics or something. Cool! Uh Whereas in PF2, they get all that, plus all these feats, give them access to stuff like Foxfire, turning it into a giant fox, uh, illusion magic, all this cool stuff, which we kind of get in Starfinder through great books like uh, uh uh Interstellar Species gives us, you know, additional feats and some more stuff, but having it baked right in the Ancestry is going to make sure that all the species in the Cantina kind of get their day in the sun, and can diversify enough so like you know not every uh kitsune or human or 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 pothra or whatever will come out the same because you could all then specialize in your own in your own unique way using these ancestry feats without having to take away from your class feats your class abilities all those kind of things
1: well dustin you bring up uh one of the concerns that i was going to throw at you later but since we're talking about now i'm going to go ahead and and throw this out there so as you said, the Cantina approach and and the wide array, uh or the wide array of different alien species that you could play was one of the hugest draws of Starfinder for a lot of people. And in the two E system, those ancestries are much more in depth, as you alluded to. You know, one of the concerns is, well, how are they gonna get a hundred ancestries out using the two e framework? You, you know. Because that's a lot more work on Yali. We need a uh, whole, you know, slate of feats for every every ancestry. So you want to touch on that a little bit?
6: Uh well, I mean, I'll I'll dive this over to to, to Thurston. But uh, as I saw him put his hand up, but just <laughs> as a quick response, you will note that we already will have, even without anything that we've announced, tons of ancestries because of the backwards compatibility. You can right. go ahead and play a space kanrasu or a space Leshy. Just just take it from.
1: It's or, just you know, right there already, right? Yeah. yeah,
6: but Thurston, please.
1: Yeah,
4: um, a, a couple, a couple points on this because this has come up a few times, and I've seen it a lot. Um, so there, there's certainly like a request from people of like, I want the cantina feel. That's the best part of the Starfinder in a lot of cases. Um that that's true, and starfinder first edition um species have like a very small footprint relative to say the more in depth stuff that we will'll will be seeing in second edition um and that has both benefits and flaws. A good example of this is like in the the one e footprint, there are some clear winners we'll say out of uh, mm-hmm. species that exist, and if you're wondering, but Thurston, how could you say something like this? Well, we have data that proves it like we can <laughs> see what ancestries people are playing through various Good people, shout outs to like Hero Lab and Hephaestus and a few other places who have been nice enough to maybe share some stuff. With oh us. yeah yeah yeah. Okay, and okay. so you know, there are some clear winners that like, oh wow, if the math is higher, people gravitate to that. Shocking <laughs> off. Um, can you tell so me? Like who, can there? you tell me
0: who's the top third? I gotta know, man. Who's the most played? Is it human? i mean okay like there, there's
4: some there's some like mathematical digging that goes into this right because okay. like obviously like core core books are like super high but then once you get out of like the spe- the species that are in the core books there's some of them that are like huh this one has like very high on the curve and i don't think it's because of their their specific like you know gotcha mechanic i think a lot of people like playing robots i think a lot of people have read sros and gone wow sros are really good
1: for a lot of reasons <laughs> yeah yeah um, they're, they're a lot safer in in the world World of Starfinder than a lot exactly. of other.
4: And so I think, you know, there's one of the things Starfinder First Edition really did is that it set this wide berth of stuff. It threw all of the Legos out on the table. Um, and there's a lot of Lego out there now. And part of what we're doing is taking a lot of that Lego and build actually putting it together and building it in ways. So when we talk about ancestries, we want to make sure that like when you're playing an ancestry, you're not just going in with basically a bunch of stat modifiers and not having any attachment beyond that, right? Um, and that that applies to like narrative, like you know, talking about culture and history and all of those things. But it also applies to mechanics too, and providing very fun and unique mechanics. Some of the stuff we're doing with ancestries um, is stuff we couldn't. Really bake in like here. I'll give. I'll give a spoiler on something no, we're, we're doing. Out. I know. Watch I know. Out. Here it comes. Here it comes. You know, winged Sheeran is a thing we can do now, oh, right? Okay. Oh. Like there's some there's some interesting and fun stuff that this system lets us do. And so for those people who are like worried, how are you going to get the cantina feel? Well, yeah, the, the cantina is going to be there and we're going to be doing ancestries in almost every product we do is our intent, really. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves. But we want to make sure that when we're providing those options, it's not just like us playing some math Sudoku and someone's found the right math Sudoku, like number that is the best for their bill. That's not mm-hmm. what these should be about. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should, you should, you should pick something that you like the flavor of necessarily. I, I, I don't like min maxing in ancestry. I've never done that. I will <laughs> min max within my class so yeah. hard. Absolutely. But I'm going to choose what he I will. want to play. That's a true statement. You will. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, 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 th- thank you, Thurston, for the for the clarification. I do want to kick it back to Jenny uh, before we get too sidetracked. And right. Three for you,
4: three. So far, Jessica and Dustin have taken my, my answers one after another. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Three I know. For well, they took mine, <laughs> too. Three, <for> three. <laughs> 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 three for three.
5: Okay, fine. Well, y'all wanted to bring
0: all four, back. okay?
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all just, I know, right? But we're all just so excited about it. Honestly, what I'm going to say is I'm really excited about skill feats um, and the possibility for like new, well, they're not new skills to Starfinder, but new to the the PF2 system. And the fact that these skills from Starfinder haven't had the PF2 system applied to them yet Mm -hmm. and they are now. So uh, what kinds of cool skill feats can you have with things like computers and piloting? We've been planning a lot about that. Uh, we really want to showcase those two skills in particular in our game going forward, and I'm just really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about some new feat, skill feats and how we're going to kind of modernize, like just the the regular existing like Pathfinder skills that we're going to have. Um, so it's it's going to be pretty cool because like we're just talking about you know how would this work with the infosphere? Like that's always what comes up when we talk about these things. Is like, can we have a skill feat where it's like you know you're just kind of surfing. the internet and you find this like random forum and like you know we we get into these fun conversations about that in our meetings and I'm really looking forward to that.
1: As
6: a person.
5: Yeah, you probably do. (laughs) A lot of us do. Yeah. So that'll be that's something I'm looking forward to for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean again it comes back to how interesting the setting is and and the technology that that's prevalent allows you to do so many different things. Uh in in dimensions, like in in the hacking space or whatever, right? That you Frankly, it's just not going to be there in in Pathfinder. It's just you can't
1: do it, right? I mean,
0: well, I don't know. I guess you can now with Starfinder 2E. I suppose you could...
1: (laughs) You're going to hack a magical rune. Let's go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Thurston. You got another one on deck for us that you're oh, excited boy, okay. about. So, I'm going
4: to go with one I warned my team that they shouldn't like immediately jump on, but I'm going to jump on it since they took all of mine immediately. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to make it a bit more uh, broad, but I'm going to say the thing that has me really excited is that modernization of some of the game tech. Um we've been doing a lot of play tests and we actually just released a blog today that talked mm-hmm. about some uh, of the internal
1: playtests we're That trying. blog changed the questions that we're going to ask you today.
4: Perfect. <laughs> fact, perfect. I'm looking forward to because I didn't read the questions since you first sent them, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 in all honesty, the like the the mechanics have felt so good in a way that like. We're able to change a lot of what the game is. Um, a good example of this is in Starfinder first edition. Um, there was a there 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 was and honestly is to a degree, a real problem of like melee being the best. Like, you know, you look at like your little azimuth laser pistol that you start with and you're doing d4 damage. Yeehaw. If you are a Vesk who has spected to strength and is two handing a Doshko, your bonus to damage is more than that max right or right. if
1: you took the armor storm and just have a fist that can knock out half a planet you know i, I have no experience with that no all, <laughs> no
4: none. and then god help you if they crit yeah, um, right. <laughs> And and so it's like it's it gives us a chance to really look at the game and then the, the mechanics have me excited because we're exploring a lot of new territory. And I'm going to prob- maybe go into something that might be a, be a question for later, a commentary for later. But one of the things, you know, is we've, we've tried to veer away from some traditional tropes. Like the soldier that we did the field test on is not the space fighter. Mm-hmm. The soldier is its own niche and it's exploring its own thing. The, the operative that we talked about in today's blog is not a space rogue in the traditional sense. Um, our game, spoiler alert, has a lot more of a focus on guns and how guns play into it, because that feels right for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to say that, like, you know, you can't do some cool stuff in melee. Trust me, you can. And we have in some of our play tests, as Jessica nods playing the soldier uh, at one point who did have some some melee potential. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we're we're exploring different game states and that's really exciting because it lets us redefine a lot of what is Starfinder and, and on, the, on a broad scope for, you know, mechanics and why that's really interesting is it does let us look at the game and see, like, where do we want things to be? You know, a bombshell that dropped in today's blog is that, like, the precog is a specialization of witch warpers now. Like, that's a that's a bit of a difference. And like, here's a here's a thing on that. I'm the person who designed the precog for first edition. And that was my idea <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we, we can give better identities to some of these, look at how they've played out and how their identities exist and make that work within the mechanics. And we're really excited to, to go on this journey. And this whole, this whole field test play test process is integral to that. But, you know, it's not a buzzword when I repeatedly say this is the most open type of play test Paizo's ever done because really we want it to be.
1: It definitely feels that way. I mean, so let's, just... let's
0: talk about the playtest, right? Um everyone might not be aware, but you have a, a pretty extended playtesting period for Starfinder 2 and you've already released one playtest, right? Like a field test, yeah. A field test. I, could, I'll, yep. I was trying to blank in the word. Yeah. And you you have a you have plans to release more. Can can you all kind of touch on uh, what that schedule looks like? We aren't going to talk about the specific schedule.
4: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and I, what I, what I'll say is is we want these to to be natural. Um, we don't want to like everyone to expect like ah every month we're going to get one of these and right. blah blah blah. Uh, this is really us sort of as we're going through this process. Pulling the veil back on what we're doing. We're actually here. I, I can tell you, I'm currently like this week approving field test number two. So I'm going through some stuff on that. We're getting that ready for our editors and layout and all of that stuff. Um, and we plan on doing more of these. Are they gonna be on a set schedule? Not really. They're gonna be kind of as we need them, as we as our team can work them in and get them out. And when we feel stuff is at a point where maybe, hey, we wanna share this and get some feedback and see how things are. Um, but remember it's not even a traditional play test,
1: right? Right. We haven't um, even got to you know, the the core play test, right? Yeah.
4: This is just us showing stuff off and it's giving us invaluable data and reactions. And that's great, but it, it's also a chance for us to show off and like have people go, Oh, the sky is falling, but they aren't quite seeing the, the full picture yet. And that's very intentional in some cases. We want to gauge feedback on these i'll let um you know dustin's working on field test number two he can't say what it's about but he can talk about some of the insight he has maybe as like the process has been for creating one of those
6: uh it really helps you flesh out the uh what you're working on uh there's a lot of little bits when you're developing that you might not write that that when you're when you reach a point where you're like pass it off to somebody else, you might not have everything in there as complete as you would see in a final product. Uh, and the field tests are a great opportunity to flesh out those those portions that you don't necessarily need for an internal play test to get things more prepared for what will need to be there for an external play test. So hopefully, when we're getting closer to that external play test, we won't be like, oh yeah, that thing I wrote back in like. You know, August is now going to need all this editing and extra work in there. No, it it will make that process feel a lot smoother. I think.
1: Whose idea was the Skittermander Captain Guide? Because it's awesome.
6: <laughs> that
4: existed before. Uh Captain Concierge shows up in Galactic Man or no Tech Revolution. Okay. Um, in the in the the sort of uh, narrative sections of that book, as kind of a malicious mr clippy who uh appears and like infests <laughs> your stuff
1: but um when this we, one seems, this seems a little bit more fourth wall breaking though it's like kinda, you know like hey i'm i'm in the room with the developers and this is what they're talking he about is. you know yeah, and i really i really like that presentation you know
5: he's always with
3: us he
1: is always <laughs> mr. Um, you
4: know I'll, I'll i'll pass it off uh to jenny to talk a bit more about it but i'll, I'll say that like you know we think it's really important to talk to people about what we're doing and to give you know insight on why we're taking decisions we are we don't want to be like an ivory tower of here you go enjoy this and don't complain right like we want to say like hey this is the approach we're taking this is the direction we're kind of leaning um even with that first field test there are changes that have already come some of them we even knew when the field test was printed and (laughs) it was really cool for us
3: to
6: see stuff and be like oh yeah that, but um, actually wait, Dustin has his hand up. One one little quick thing, I forgot this. Um, One really great thing I love about the idea of the field test is that when you release a public play test, a lot of the initial reaction is is, it's helpful, it's great, but it could have gotten out of the way sooner so that we could get more into the nitty gritty of things in the actual play test, and I feel like the field tests are giving us that, because we're getting so much great feedback from our fans, we're using it, we love it, and that just means we'll get a whole nother round of feedback when the actual, of more specific feedback when the actual, uh, playtest is released.
5: Yeah, and I, I feel like people are always just like, well, what were the devs thinking? Like, what were they thinking? It's like, well, we'll tell you what we were thinking. You <laughs> can a see little it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
5: Captain Concierge just got you covered. And it's just like, you know, we know people are, are going, like, everyone's going to have different reactions. And as Dustin said, let's get the the big reactions that maybe aren't as helpful for us, like actually fine-tuning and making design decisions going forward. Let's get that out of the way. Like, let everybody have their moment. And, th- you on either sides of hype and despair and then we move on and can do something you know uh that, that is going to be more useful but it, yeah but it really is just like reading the room like i want to know what people think we all all of us on this team come from an organized play background where we were players gms like a lot of us volunteers um Three you of know, us
4: wrote for the, directed wrote the, for program the program at one time.
5: Um, right, yeah, three <laughs> of us actually are alumnus, uh, alumni of that program, like, on staff. And so we really do care about the play experience at the table and at conventions and, like, what everybody out there is is thinking and talking about. Like, we're curious about it. And I remember that when I was not a Paizo staffer, I would always, I would be curious about it, too, when I'd hear people say things like, well, like, what were they thinking about this? Or like, well, this is what I would have done, and sometimes it's it's annoying to hear those takes. But at the same time, it's it's interesting because I remember being that person, and like, mm-hmm. let's just let that person in, like, let them see a little bit, you know, behind the proverbial curtain of what we're thinking and talking about um, on staff.
0: Yeah, and there there are so few companies that are willing to share their process and then kind of have a dialogue. With, with, you know, their fans, their players mm-hmm. uh, ongoing about that. And, and I, I certainly appreciate that. I think that's fantastic. Transparency can make something that seemed like a controversial decision make so much more sense when, you know, when you actually have an explanation. Of like, what were the devs thinking, right? Like, well this is what we were thinking, you mm-hmm. know? You can disagree with it, but at least we have a rationale, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes you... You get some way out of left field stuff from uh, certain other companies who, again, will remain nameless. And you have no idea where this came from. Right. So I, I can say I certainly appreciate that. And I, and I imagine that most of the players for Starfinder
4: appreciate that. Most as well. of them. There's a couple who are still really angry. Sure, at man. Us. But you can't. What
1: can you do? You know, what can yeah. you do? Um well.
5: <laughs> Well, and one more thing before I pass it uh, to to Jessica if she has anything to add or if y'all have another question. I, oh, I also we got think questions. that <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, we might have answers. Um,
3: but,
5: but we, at Paiso, we are we are making games. Uh, it is games and art made by humans. And one of the great things about buying a product that is made hundred percent by real humans <laughs> is that you can talk to those humans and interact with them, and they're not a they're not a chatbot or something. So we just feel like in this changing world that we Live in uh, having access to the actual people that are making things within reason. Right, sure, know, right, if, yeah, right. I, I don't, yeah. I don't
0: need. I, you know, I'm not trying to get into like what did you have for dinner when
1: you made this decision or anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, what is your diet to produce <laughs> yeah. these decisions? Yeah. <laughs> really, really <my> playlist. Bad. <laughs> Hold on, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Jessica, do you have anything to? to to tack on to this is there anything that you are dying to get in but I know that we're allowed so
2: First of all I love your spunk Jenny <laughs>
0: <laughs> This is an ongoing trend I've been noticing
2: <laughs> No just just to say that like I have always enjoyed as a fan getting to see and be a part of the playtest process and getting to be on this side of that this time around and really be a part of trying to go that extra mile to show where we're at, what's going on, sharing playtest stories, sharing Class snippets right before we're even quite, you know, maybe they're not quite where we we're ready to go. But you know what? We want to share it anyway. Getting to talk about this so much earlier than we otherwise would be able yes. to. All that have been just a blast. And I'm awesome. really proud of what we've put out and what we're going to put out and where we can all go together with that.
3: Awesome. Stuff yeah. we
4: have not shown. oh <laughs> oh well, I mean,
0: there's tons you know. of stuff you haven't shown. Yeah. <laughs> we're still very early yeah. into this, yeah. but it, it does take it does take I think some bravery to be um, as transparent, you know, as as you are with with something that's still in, still in the works. Like this is not finished, right? This is an ongoing playtest, and and um, I appreciate that bravery from you all. That that does take courage for sure, because you're as as you mentioned, thirsty. You're not going to please everybody, and you are going to get. Some degree of negative feedback on that and, you know, being willing to change is hard. Yeah, for sure. For
1: sure. So, um, can we talk about the blog for a second that came out today? Oh, right, right, right. So, so initially, uh, when you announced it, you said that there, you know, you introduced four iconics and thus four mm-hmm. classes that will be in the core. Mm-hmm. And today you just kind of snuck in that you guys were playing with two <laughs> other classes, the witch warper mm-hmm. and the operative. Can mm-hmm. we presume that to mean that this is part of our core class? This is our core class lineup. Then we've, uh, we've not
4: announced uh, our full core class lineup and, you know, <laughs> we
1: could be testing
4: things for other things. That's part of what this process is about.
3: Fair, fair enough.
4: Um, We're, we're, we're so early in the process right now. Like, a class could change in this book, right? right? Like that, that's kind of where we're at here. Uh, we're, we're that early as my staff is like, don't you dare change any classes on us <laughs> now. <Elman."> um, <laughs> but, but, but like, you know, are we going to confirm it no what we're going to say is that we're playtesting those classes right now and you know we might we might have some blogs down the line that lock some stuff in you know certainly we've seen some blogs that have had some cool amazing concept art by our own kent hamilton for some of those new iconics um and presumably if we have new iconics or updated iconics that means those classes will be in the core
0: role
1: right right
0: right right well, you can't blame us for trying to squeeze out a little more information. Oh, in
4: absolutely okay. not. If you're like the like, can you confirm? I'm like, I'm yeah. not confirming one way. <laughs> right, right. Be you you yeah. yeah, you knew what you were doing when you dropped that blog. You knew
1: what you were doing you dropped that today. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, um, Starfinder Two E tentatively sometime 2025, right? Where just somewhere in that ballpark.
4: But final, final, like, release of the core rules,
0: yeah. When it comes out, will there be, it, can you even discuss, a single core rule book or will we see something similar, like, with Pathfinder Remastered, where you have a player core, a GM core, and a monster core? I suspect that might look the same,
4: but maybe we'd call it alien core.
1: Right, right. I nice. appreciate that. I do appreciate the <laughs> yeah. little things that really, like, help, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> We're not,
4: and again, we're not locked in on this, right? Like that's still, that's still two years. Like to give you an idea, we have to get a playtest rule book done and off to a printer before we can even start the process on doing like the subsequent. But right now, as far as we're, you know, we're looking, it's like, yeah, something, something in a similar vein. And I know our publisher, Eric's talked about why having the split books is actually like a better thing for a lot of reasons for us, especially with changes to how shipping is and how, you know, local game stores wanting to stock stuff on their shelves. It's a lot easier to carry like a 400, three to 400 page book than it is to carry like a 700 page book mm-hmm, and to get that, that printed shanter. and sent in. Like well, yeah, you
1: carry more of the player core and less of the GM core. And you, you can sell, you can sell those out a lot better. Uh, yeah. uh, before we get into like the concerns, right? Um, Can you talk a little bit about some of the design philosophy that your team is taking into the development of this new edition? And I, I, to be more, that's a broad question, right? But like what each of you, what is like the main thing that you want to inject into Starfinder 2E, you know, as far as a design philosophy? And we're gonna start with you this time, Thurston, and go back the other oh, way. Oh, wow. So, yeah. wow! you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're gonna gonna come at me. It's
4: funny because because our team has actually been been talking a lot about you know design philosophy and what's important to us in the game, um, and that there's there are a couple of things that are that are you know important from from a design philosophy when we go into it uh, i'm gonna bury the lead on like a question i know you had like buried in there because it's come up a lot and i'm just gonna tackle it head on as part of this this question because it okay. fits uh one of our design philosophy that's really strong is this game is still its own game and it's not an expansion for pathfinder 2 um we're using the pathfinder 2 engine because there's a lot of cool mechanical stuff in that engine that really helps us out and you know is is game tech that we want to use but we're still our own game i've talked about this a bit in other interviews like you know our meta state is very 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 different than the typical meta state of a pathfinder game and this is something we can get into in more in-depth questions but uh, you know when we're talking like We've done play tests. Um, A good example is, you know, in the blog I posted today at one point in that that series of firefights we had, we had a a gunfight that was happening 10 feet apart from from the players and the enemies as they were shooting over a log and taking cover and uh, taking cover and shooting and taking cover. And while this is going on, Jessica's character is off to the side. Taking shots at over 200 feet away with a sniper rifle to keep the enemy snipers that are firing. That is something that you don't see as much in a Pathfinder game, right? Um, in, in like a Pathfinder game, that meta state exists of, Oh hey, we're gonna kick open the door of the dungeon that we're all hoping is at least 20 by 20 feet. Otherwise, oh, it's gonna be hard to fit in that room. <laughs> yeah. Um and we're gonna close to melee and we're gonna beat the crap out of each other, right? Like that's that's how that game state exists. One of the like a couple of the things in, in Starfinder from what we're finding is that there's just a lot. A lot of different ways of doing things, maneuvering, taking cover, hiding behind doors, closing doors, like all that sort of stuff that can just make the game feel very different. And that also applies to some of our... um Our rules mechanics as well. So it's a design philosophy that I'll end with because I'm kidding a few of them, but it it all factors together on like this is its own game is like how we're going to approach ancestries is going to be different. Um, You'll notice that in Pathfinder 2E, they like they don't have like natural flying ancestries. We will. You will pick an ancestry and you will be able to perfectly fly with that ancestry. Because in our game, the expectation is is almost every character has this thing, this magical spell called "gun" that they can cast, and when they cast gun, they can hit something that flies, mm-hmm. and that allows us to design the game in a in a different way, but keep that
1: engine the same. Gotcha. There, that's my answer. Bam. That's good. You, you, you did you did kind of jump ahead, but I appreciate the answer. It was very good, Jenny.
5: Uh, so yeah, first thing um, a plus one to everything Thursday said, obviously. Uh, from a so from an adventure. This in the mail.
4: <laughs> thank you.
5: Good. Good. Anyway, uh, so so like something Jessica and I have talked about too in in the team meetings is like how our, adventure design can support that, and so you know things like maybe in the future we're not going to always have five foot squares or we're just going to have bigger maps and you know that that's going to support the fact that you can do things like shoot, uh, you, you can cast gun as Thurston said so eloquently. Uh, so things like having cover, having like bigger areas to fight in um, that, that has like cover and, and hard corners for you to pop in and out of and just kind of like following those different assumptions. We, we also talked about like elevation in maps and how we could do that if possible or how we could cover that into a scenario or like an ap or module um the other thing before i steal everything that the next two people are gonna talk about is i think it's really important for all of us that rules like mechanical rules really support the narrative and that we instead of just you know adding you know making your modifiers bigger all the time and only that that you will have like Bespoke and cool cinematic actions that your character gets to do, whether they're getting them through an ancestry feat, like being a winged Sharon and being able to fly around, you know, later on, like thirsty, spoiled, uh, or, or others that might fly in our core book that I won't spoil. Anyway. Um, oh. Oh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so so uh, whether it's that or whether it's through your class, um, having those abilities, like just making that something that is, this is a cool thing I can do that tells the story of what I want my character to be and what the story that we're playing out is like rather than just all right hold on i have like the biggest number at the table Hmm. i mean the number will still go up yes yes but like there will be cool things you can actually do and narrate at the table
6: wait dustin yeah oh yes um uh that segues nicely into uh uh while while i do work a lot on the mechanics uh the, our, our discussions on the setting have really made me excited to see this system emphasize that this is a science fantasy setting and that your mechanics are reflecting abilities that are both on in a world where you have a cell phone and you're able to cast spells. Um, sometimes at the cell phone. Uh, That's the and, best part. Right, exactly. Uh, and that also means we get to explore this, this uh great, solid foundational system in a setting in which there's downtime activities other than maintain farm for 90% of the population. Mm. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, the standard standard NPC will not just be a farmer or monster. Yeah, or Uh, tavern manager or something. Right. We have infospheres, we have vid games, we have anything that we have here in our modern world, plus you know, Max, obligatory <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Max. <laughs> yeah, right. right, uh, lady, right. So, how far
1: in so, did we get before she said it? Uh, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, so. I thought, well. Yeah. So, so I see
6: you'll not. get to be a farmer with a mech with a giant tractor. No. Um. You you could do you know a, a lot of a great storytelling with that and have a lot of great bespoke abilities. Um. Uh. Are, I don't know. Archetypes, feats, spells, whatever that reflect the fact that yes, you are probably playing an adventure. But there's more to the world than that, and, and you get to bring that, what you were, what you want to be, what you trained to be, what you are, into the every mode of play.
1: Awesome. And Jessica? Okay, hey, good, Jessica. Yeah,
2: going? so we're all fans of Starfinder. Mega fans, if you will. So we love Starfinder. We've all got an eye to wanting to make the best new version of Starfinder as possible. You know, we want it to be fun and flexible and engrossing. Uh, We want to love it even more than we already do. You know, and I think it's important to remember that we're always leading with that joy. You know, is it fun? And if the answer is no, we will go right back to the drawing board. You know, could it be more fun? it probably always can be more fun, so there's lots more work to do, right? Like, there will always be people who don't want to give 2nd edition a shot, just as there's people who never gave 1st edition a shot, and that's okay. But so long as we make the next edition of Starfinder the best that it can be, and something that is a blast to play, while still staying true to the game's roots and its spirit and its heart, then, like, that's a win, you know? I think that's integral to what all of us are doing in every aspect of what we're designing.
0: Yeah, uh, it's always nice to hear that, you know, the developers of a game that you love also love that game <laughs> yeah. like, and, play, so the game. and play the game. Play the game. What a concept, you know? Yeah, yeah, like
2: like if we didn't all desperately love Starfinder, we wouldn't be on the Starfinder team. There's right. only four of us. Right,
1: right. <laughs> right.
4: Soon to be soon to be five. Soon to be five.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, you, got, you, got, you got a new person coming on, eh? We do. Nice. We're exciting.
4: gonna we're, we're this this battle station is gonna be fully armed and operational <laughs> soon. <laughs>
1: uh okay i i'm going to attempt to reword the question that i was going to leave with because <laughs> you've already answered it to some degree but i do want to give an opportunity for clarification okay right. so there was a lot of hype on the initial announcement about the 100 compatibility to pathfinder 2e and i do think that that created a lot of anxiety among starfinder one e players you know warranted or not that it's there in the sense that as you said thurston that there was a fear that starfinder is becoming absorbed into pathfinder 2e as an expansion to to that uh rather than being developed in a standalone game and you guys just obviously covered your, your thoughts and feelings about that but uh, the simple question first Will you be required to use any Pathfinder 2e books to play Starfinder 2e? For
4: the final rule books, no. For the playtest, in order to save our customers money, we think we shouldn't, you know, reprint a whole bunch of rules that will already exist. So the playtest we're building in mind with you'll own player core and you'll have game mastery core. And if you don't have those, guess what? That's all available online for free anyway, so you don't have to buy them, right? Right. Um, But for the final game itself, um, as we were talking about earlier, that's going to have a player core. That's going to have a game mastery core most likely. Mm. Um, Those will be the books you need to play the game.
5: There won't be like
4: a go to Pathfinder to
1: To get these rules, right? Okay. Exactly. Cool. Cool. So then let me talk. Let's, let's talk about the term 100% compatibility Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people interpret that to mean, well, you guys are now developing classes for Pathfinder 2e because it has to fit against Pathfinder 2e's meta state. And you've Mm -hmm. touched on that a little bit, but can you talk about the difference between compatibility and identity? Absolutely. So compatibility
4: in the sense we're talking about is I can take a thing from Pathfinder or Starfinder and play it in the same rules engine. Now, there is a difference between compatibility and balance within a meta state. And again, I've talked about this a bunch is that meta state situation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take the Starfinder guns and bring them into Pathfinder, <laughs> that's going to create a. A bit of a problem because, you know, those guns don't require you to reload after every shot there. There are certain situations where it's like, huh, this is kind of a like like uh, a a, 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 a bit bit tricky to to balance. And we we trust, you know, if you're bringing this stuff into your Pathfinder game as GM, you're going to understand what that meta state is and vice versa. If you're bringing like a fighter who wants to go all in with goes into, you know, a Starfinder game. Note that the games aren't being developed with that in mind. We are like when we're developing SF2, we're developing it with those classes and like that equipment and all of that ecosystem in mind. Now we're also keeping. Pathfinder side of the house in mind but that's a secondary concern to us that's a like we need to make sure that there isn't going to be like completely out to lunch but like if you if you run like you know a Starfinder character in a Pathfinder game and you're like wow this guy who has a Gatling gun feels really good in a setting where everyone's like a low level <laughs> goblin who has four hit points and explodes when they're <laughs> yeah. hit like yeah. that's how it's gonna like that 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 might feel weird right but that's mm-hmm. kind
1: of how yeah, but it after- should right like it exactly. should. It should.
4: To, to a degree. And as a GM, you know, it's your job to to balance across how you want to have those things work and, you know, build the campaign. In, in a sense, it's like how the rarity system works in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, right? Like there are certain things that can change the the style and type of a game that you have if you bring them in. Bringing Starfinder stuff into your Pathfinder game is going to be the same. Now, I'm going to bury the lead on our next uh, our next blog of playtesting. We ran a playtest um, shortly after the one. One that we just posted about today where we decided we would have a gunslinger and an operative in the same party to see how that played out. And it played out really good and it was hilarious and we all had a fun time Um, mostly because the gunslinger was out DPSing the operative uh to a disturbing degree until the gunslinger's guns both exploded and then suddenly <laughs> it was very balanced again. Um, But when we're talking about these games, they're they're still separate games. The compatibility is more um, like what Jenny was talking about earlier. It's a chance for us not, or Jessica as well, um, not to reprint stuff in books that we've already talked about a hundred times and like have to, you know, Because we have our own bespoke system, do the 80th rendition of what elves are, right? Like, that. that's going to free up some of that space for us to do cool things. And possibly in the future, if, say, we wanted to do a book where it's like, hey, here's four new pages of fighter feats based on Starfinder tech, we could do that. Gotcha.
6: It Uh, sounds... No, go ahead, Dustin. If you only play Starfinder, uh, you might want to just think of Pathfinder 2E as the preliminary preliminary beta test for Starfinder 2.
1: Right. <laughs> okay, that's, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> it, it sounds to me training. that it, it's, it's, it's less about being able to take a gunslinger and throw him into Starfinder or take an operative and throw him into Pathfinder than it is to just, if you understand how to play Pathfinder 2, you can jump into a Starfinder 2 game without the the kind of steep learning curve that comes with an entirely new system.
5: Absolutely. You're just gonna yeah. have to learn how to play in new classes and play with a couple new skills, basically. So it's all it's just gonna be new material, but you will that that player would have a base knowledge set that would help them easily grok that in, in a way right. that would be fun rather than stressful. And,
4: and if you want to do that thing of play the gunslinger alongside <laughs> the operative, we do want to design these classes so that they feel different. Like that's Mm -hmm. and that's okay. like this goes to what we're looking at with Starfinder as a whole of like, we don't really need the fighter in space um, because there's just other cool avenues to explore. Mm-hmm. like we can we can do things that are different we don't need to just upgrade you know I am person with two hand hitty stick in space we can do some different approaches to that and have it be uniquely starfinder but also play well against those other classes
1: that already exist yeah as you guys have released more and more information and and you know done interviews and the blog posts and and particularly with the field the first field test it, it it feels less like it's 100% compatible with Pathfinder and more like it's embracing a 2E core engine. That, yeah, that so, yeah. like, it's not about being compatible with Pathfinder as much as it is about being compatible with Paizo's core system. You know what I mean? Like, it's, would Absolutely. that be a, a, a fair way to frame that? We,
4: we just don't have like a name for that generic core system. So I we just kind of it had to you. say, core so, system. Ah. Yeah,
1: so you can have that. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you using a starship in Starfinder 2e it, it's going to feel appropriately powerful as compared to say a naval ship in Pathfinder 2e because those are on two completely different power levels yeah. right so, like,
4: we're not, okay, we're not, okay. If, you're, if your question is, is, like, can the steamship fight the spaceship? That, that is indeed that is my indeed. question. Okay, yeah. let, no, like, as as Jessica, no. again, like, shakes head, like, no. That is not <laughs> what's going to happen that ship's now. ship's
2: going to have a really bad day. Okay, it? good. Wow. It
4: should, right? Yeah. It should. Now, now, maybe if that ship is upgraded with space engines and has a and pirate crew on it, that could be a really thematic starship well, combat. A that's different, different level, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> now, if we're talking about naval rules, now, say in the theoretical future our friends on the Pathfinder side of the wall decide they want to come up with an in-depth naval battle system, right? Well, maybe then we can meet together and be like, hey, what can we do to make these systems work to- and speak together so that, you know, one thing I'll I'll say for, for first edition is someone who has played a lot of first edition Pathfinder, a lot of first edition Starfinder. Um, Subsystems that are like radically different than the core of your game can take players out immediately. And so, anything we can do to make sure that, like, any of these important subsystems, like Starship Combat, like a mass combat system, anything we can do to make them feel like they're part of the same engine and doing the same thing will keep the players more engaged and more interested in it and, like, Rather than, all right, so mech combat, quick, let's all play battle tech like that. That's that Mm -hmm. takes people out of things in a very dramatic way. And we saw that a lot with Starship Combat and Starfinder First Edition. And so when we're approaching these things, we want to make sure that we're, you know, doing the doing the the appropriate power level. But we want to make sure that they make sense in the engine and aren't just like, hey, here's a completely different game that we just like bodged into this system. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, we are still a little ways out. From Starfinder 2e, but I do appreciate you all taking this time to to talk with us about you know, your design philosophy and the direction that Starfinder 2e is headed because that's certainly important. Um, and and uh, we're really grateful for that. But we still got you know we got a, a couple more years left in Starfinder 1e. We still got some gas sure in the do. tank, right? So <laughs> let's talk about some of the things that are coming to. I guess now it's Starfinder 1e. You know. Um... Mm-hmm. So we've got Starfinder Enhanced coming coming soon, right? Uh, we're allegedly going to get a, a, a ton of new options for for players. So there's no all allegedly about it. It's like yeah, 190. Oh, I, don't I don't want to presume. I haven't read it. 190 <laughs> pages. Of, wait, we wait, wait, here. Can y'all talk a little oh, wait, bit about some copy. of these things that look, look, are that are coming out <laughs> in Starfinder Enhanced?
4: Look at this pretty book I have here. Yeah, what do you, you want to know?
0: Just, you can just email me that PDF real quick, Thursday, yeah. and then we'll talk about <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> pick, pick pick a page number between like <laughs> 100 and 192. Go. 48. What? Do you <laughs> I love this. I get to do this now. They they get, let me bring this home. Okay, uh, <laughs> what do we want to know about mechanic uh, level ten or fourteen uh, uh, mechanic tricks?
1: Oh, 48. <laughs> so page forty eight. <laughs> level, level ten
0: and level 14, fourteen mechanic, mechanic tricks. tricks.
4: We know that. <laughs> Add that to your rubric every day. Yeah,
0: <laughs> book is spoiled. But w- what what are you um, what are you excited about? Players getting their hands on uh, with Starfinder enhanced.
4: I'm going to let Dustin and Jessica
0: handle yeah, this one. Either who, who wants to go first?
2: I'll go first. Okay. Um. So, Starfinder Enhanced is very much a love letter to Starfinder. Like, it is us taking a look at the entirety of Starfinder and just really saying, what does this game need going forward? What do we want it to have? What improvements can we make for better within the framework of the Starfinder system, right? Like, by now, we've all been playing a really long time, right? Not not too long,
0: but like... Four or five years for sure, though.
2: Since it came out, right? Yeah. I was right there. I've been playing, right? Like, we all have experiences where, you know, we've learned from the game, just like with any game on launch, right? There's always a, a learning curve and those things you spot. So um this was really a chance to dive into some of that, but also consider it had been kind of a long time since we had a really really like character option heavy 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 book like another you know character operations manual right and this was a chance to really throw out all that kind of cool stuff you want to make the 20th time you play a soldier still feel new and cool and have all kinds of new goodies so there is a lot in this book and uh in short there is a lot i am excited for and i'm sure all of us would say something different like there's a lot in here i am excited to see new options for all the classes i'm excited to see the new enhanced versions of a couple of those classes the witch warper especially is one of my very favorite classes thematically and i am so excited for everyone to see the new enhanced version i want you all to unleash that infinite world like crazy for me there's so many feats like nearly a a hundred new feats Wow. Um, wow. which yeah. is awesome. There's archetypes, there's themes, there's spells, gear, pets. I always love pets. Um like, <laughs> just throw pretty some much, pets in there, you know? Yeah, like and really different ones. Like, and pretty much everything we could cram in there like we did, and I'm here for it. Uh, there's there's so much to see.
0: This is just awesome. this is a big grab bag of features. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. all aimed okay. at players, and obviously that means it's just as useful for GMs.
0: Certainly.
6: What about you, Dustin? Oh uh, well, that was um, a lot of the content in our. Book, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, no, I, I, the, I, I love all the new. Uh, the new enhanced passes are great. All the new options are are, are fantastic. Uh, there's some uh, excellent feats that that really get stuff that while I was building characters, I was like, before I, you know, was hired back, I was unable to read this, I always thought to myself, oh, I wish there was a little something for this. Oh, oh, there it is. Enhanced has kind of uh, filled out all the missing niches that I could think of. Uh, it's, it's fantastic like that. And if I had to give a theme to Enhanced, other than the Enhanced bosses, it would probably be resolve points. There's so many... Ways to use resolve points in this book. Um, it, it every class, every character is going to find new uses for resolve points in this book, and uh, that's always really fun.
0: <laughs> that's something that I, I have harped on. I feel like constantly um, mm-hmm. is how resolve is this resource that some classes and certain you know subclasses, right? Certain specs of classes. Mm-hmm. Get to utilize very early on, and then some classes don't see any Memory use for is, resolve. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I I play a star shaman mystic in our in our primary game, and I think level fifteen is the first time that I actually got
3: used to resolve for something other yeah, than a short. Rest. I just
0: took an, <laughs> a, an, an alternate class feature and got the uh, enhanced healing touch or Enhanced... Yeah, is it healing touch? I don't. The one that lets me just spam. You know, laying hands basically. And um, that was really nice. And th- now I feel as a character that I've got lots of great tools to use with Resolve, but it took so long to get there
4: well you know, do, the, don't don't remember the biohacker who yeah. had absolutely no way to do anything with resolve and then we had the audacity in calm to suggest you take extra resolve as a fee for the biohacker <laughs> which was like part of the reason that this whole topic came up internally because we're like no we need more things for everyone to play with resolve. yeah the, the, <laughs> you
1: know from a gm perspective. When I'm looking at all my players sitting around the table at level 18 with like 17 resolve points, I'm like, well, okay, so they're invincible, you know what I mean? Like, especially the ones that aren't spending it, you know what I mean? And not that I'm out to like kill them, but that that, that just like kind of subconscious knowledge that, well, I can go down because I've got plenty of resolve and I'm not going to spend that resolve on anything, right? Kind right, of and of risk versus reward. It. There yeah. needs
0: to there needs to be a decision making process, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. So there's two <laughs> pages of yeah. oh boy, you're going <laughs> <Yeah. these laughs> to spend these points. Long story short, <laughs> we're excited about the 19, thank, 19, thank you yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Ginny, yeah. is there anything that hasn't been covered that that you're looking forward to putting in players' hands?
5: I think they, they covered it pretty Maybe well. They covered it pretty um,
0: extensively. I'm
5: I'm excited. I'm I'm also very excited about the Witch Warper because as a as a story that Thirsty and will often tell, I was in the, the original group that may have been responsible for breaking the Witch Warper and the play <laughs> test. And uh it's it's such a cool concept. It's such a great class, but it definitely could use some tuning and it gets it. So yes. it is it is gonna be like honestly, this is this is for all of you folks who are not gonna do who are not coming over to SF2 no matter what we do Um, and it's for people who just want to keep playing SF1 even and like have both games or just you're looking for something to do for the next two years before we start like really putting out content
1: so Mm -hmm. did this uh did the development of this book influence any of your designs into the 2e or vice versa
4: We get this question a bunch, especially related to like, is this a stealth playtest? And you'll notice I have repeatedly said that like on shows that no, this is not like some stealth playtest for second edition because it wasn't. This was never designed for us to be testing out like oh, let's see how this thing might work. Like people got that with narrative starship Combat. No, this book was always intended as a book that is a love letter and an improvement to Starfinder first edition. This is not us like testing the waters or doing a bunch of like Pathfinder Unchained style stuff. No, this is just more tools for your toolbox. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're just shoring up the system of Starfinder 1A. You want to have the best possible version of the system locked in right absolutely Before you before you actually come out with a whole new edition right let's clean this one up polish it yeah send it out to the world yeah okay uh so let's let's talk about some of the ap's that are coming up right we do have two two new ap's in starfinder Winnie coming up the anthology of scoured stars uh is there anything that y'all want to touch on that i mean i feel like most people know what scoured stars is but for anybody who doesn't what is scoured stars it's my Thirsty.
4: baby
3: um,
0: <laughs> it's actually
4: the thing i started with at paizo when i started working at paizo was i did the um i was the uh starfinder society developer jessica's position right now um when i started and i started off with the first season of starfinder society organized play which is the year the scoured stars it actually spanned two years because we Starfinder exploded and we decided we had a really big storyline we wanted to tell uh, and we did so and then we put together you know all these subsequent stories but everyone has kept coming actually it was probably the thing I heard most at Gen Con was people would come up and be like first of all we sold a lot of Starfinder first edition at Gen Con like a lot yeah. we were really worried we were going to announce a new edition and then everyone no if anything it got more people excited about right. first edition because there's, two ye- because there's two years right sure. so now it it's like yeah, I'll it be now, Star
1: Wars right like as far as sale, like there was, I saw some infographic uh, circulating around mm-hmm. about like the most bought. I think it was maybe tickets or it was or so. tickets, yeah, for, tickets yeah, for, for games. Tables, but... You know, uh, yeah. But that says a lot about what people are interested in. And you know, I thought I just thought that was really cool to see like Starfinder so high up on the list there. Um,
4: oh yeah, well we have such a robust organized play program. Right. And it was it was really cool for us because like Jenny and I were at the show and we were like we we walked in there being like, Okay, we'll announce the new edition and maybe we everyone will abandon first edition and we've shot ourselves in the foot for the next two years. Ah, that, we actually we actually <laughs> never really thought that, but um it turned out to be like this great up. Swing for Starfinder. We had people who are like, "Oh, the game's alive. There's there's big stuff in the plans for the game. I can get involved now because there's two years to get involved, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's not like if we announce it six months before and suddenly all of our sales drop off and it's like a terrible six months. It's no, like people have time to get invested in this game, right? Mm-hmm. So Scoured Stars is takes that first year of organized play, condenses it down into twelve adventures, and basically runs you runs you through that all the way up to, I think you end it at 16th level. So it goes first to 16th level in like 75-ish hours of play, and we know this because, you know, we have the data to prove that it can be done. (laughs) Um, And it's, like, first of all, it's probably one of the most gorgeous books we've ever put together. And I'm, like, not saying that because you know so and stuff. in terms of artwork um Kyle Hunter just did a, a amazing job of the layout Um, each of the 12 adventures these were all organized play scenarios so we got to go in and add more artwork to all of these all each of the adventures gets a half page uh, illustration that acts as kind of a chapter opener for it so there's just all of this gorgeous artwork I think I posted recently I think there's like 10 new pieces of artwork for the souls, which are these iconic enemies that show up in it um we've got like four pages of handouts for players like there's a whole bunch of back matter in here that talks about you know yeah new stuff um jenny wrote like a new playable species for like I don't know, space mermaids. Um, like, yeah, Something yeah. that only got
5: name dropped in one of the scenarios I wrote that was in there. Uh, yeah, that we're like, you know what? Let's just bring it home. All the other ones have been standing yeah, we, we, out. Like, except
4: we, for this we, one. Yeah. Jenny <laughs> name dropped like five species in this adventure she wrote in like season one. And over the course of all of Starfinder, we've hit on all of them. And then we got to this book and we're like, there is one we haven't done yet and so we one just, left. it's like the one of the few like bits of playable player stuff in there, but we put it in there darn it. <laughs> um But this book is gorgeous. It's a, like a, a love song to that season of organized play. It's honestly, I think probably one of the most approachable adventure paths we've we've done as a hardback and I, or just in general, because it like it predominantly uses like flip maps for its maps. So you can go out and Buy physical maps and just run them for, for your adventure. Um, just and it's yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. It just is going to be like this quintessential Starfinder uh adventure. Um, and I'm very excited to get it out there. And it's coming out in January. And January, I'm okay, really, I question, really yeah. <laughs> am, yeah, might be might be pushed to Feb, but it's January, February. It's it's tentatively, it actually has, has gone to the printer now because this was sadly yay. one of the uh one of the sacrifices on the altar of uh, the January fiascos. Um, But we've got this um, off and like, it's just, it's just a love, like it's a love song for Pathfinders or sorry for Starfinder is what this is.
0: Okay. Okay. That sounds exciting, but I have to be honest. I am a little more excited about this other one. At at the time Mm -hmm. of recording, Armored Core 6 drops in like three (laughs) days, okay? So I'm all jazzed up for mechs, and we have a fairly high-level AP coming out, Mechageddon, right? Yes. It's, not, it's, not like Mechageddon. it's got an exclamation point. Yeah. There, Mechageddon,
5: so it does have an exclamation yeah. point. And that Built one is my it. baby. It, yeah. That is in <laughs> fact your so baby. You wanna give yes. us the
0: give us the elevator pitch for Mechageddon?
5: So Mechageddon, uh, like you said, it is it is quite high level. Um it is actually levels three to eighteen. Um, being that okay sure we could have gone up to 20 but honestly the final encounter is a CR 23 encounter so you're, you're gonna get the high level play okay even though you you may not get all the way to 20 in that book so the elevator pitch is that you are part of the New Valor Defense Force which is a uh, kind of a planetary and city defense force on the kaiju planet of Daimalko in near space uh, you I, are so awesome. brand sure. new mech pilots who are learning the ropes you get to prove yourself hopefully uh have some okay. heroic moments and you actually end up becoming celebrities and getting offered all these jobs and like sponsorships around near space and towards the end you face off against some mysterious uh hmm, ancient threat that, that may or may not have ties to old, old Pathfinder lore. But even if you don't know old, old Pathfinder lore, it's fine. It is completely like sci fantasy glow-up. Uh, you won't need to know that, and all the info you need is in the book. Um, and this will be a hardcover adventure, just like Scoured Stars. So basically, if you have your core rule um, your tech revolution for your mech rules, and then of course, like some alien archives, all that's on Nethys, of course, for free, you basically just need this one book, you make one purchase and you have everything you need to run this campaign.
0: So you're not going to do it in, in like six smaller books, it's going to be one big... Nope.
5: Uh-huh. Oh, and look- oh, oh, look- look- same with look- Scoured Stars.
0: Sure, I knew Scoured too, yeah. Stars yeah. was. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, we're really, okay.
5: we're trying this out. Um, we think it's it's so far, so far has been pretty cool for us. Like, honestly, from a development standpoint, I feel like having the, the bird's eye view of the whole thing at once has been really good for make just kind of fine-tuning what the wonderful authors did. Oh, they did such a fantastic job with with the outline it gave them. And just but just really being able to like polish that and not miss anything, like just make it the best it can be. Um, and it's just, again, it's an ease of use thing for the GM. And it's like yeah. you have this one book and, and it's a beautiful book that's going to be able to sit, you know, on your shelf like before and after you run your campaign. So we're, we're trying that out to see how that works instead of like soft cover, uh, like three to six. In yeah, soft I mean,
1: I, ho- I hope it is, it's success because from a GM standpoint, I I love the concept of a single book so that, that I, I get the whole adventure at one time, you know, so <laughs> I can, as I'm prepping, know where we're going, you know, and like, just get it, get it all there in front of me. And plus a hard book is going to look way much, way nicer on my shelf than a bunch of slim soft books, you know yeah. what I mean? So I just, I hope that it works out good for you guys because it seems like a, a win for for us as, as the yeah, consumers as, as of players, it. As yeah. It's, yeah.
0: It's, I can't speak for anyone else, but me personally, I'm not even cracking the first book of an AP until the sixth book is out. Yeah. Yeah. For right? a lot of people
4: like yeah. that. Absolutely. And one thing that's huge for this change for us, and it's possibly something we'll keep going forward, is um hardback books and like big big shelf items are are way more appealing to local game stores and i like i kind of mm-hmm. go back to this and like go to the, the the sales tactics but like with aps it's kind of problematic because you know it you know if you've ever been to a bookstore and you, you want to get into a manga and you're like oh man they have 18 issues and they're missing issues one and two Mm -hmm, well Mm butts uh whereas this like this sits on a shelf nicely like at home or at a store um and it gives us some really fun creative freedom in how we maybe format these things like we're we're talking future products and there's some really cool experimental stuff we could do with adventures um yeah and -hmm. things like you know Maybe going into the lore on some of those packed worlds. Well, maybe if we have an adventure that's set on a packed world, maybe that's where we put a bunch of lore on that packed world to live. And have like, give you that full experience in one product, rather than like, here, let me scatter it about a bit. And
0: Right. Yeah, I don't, I can't speak to how your release schedules work or anything, (laughs) but I know that I'd be fine waiting until the whole thing is done. Mm -hmm. No. Delay it all you need to. We'll buy it when it when it's finished, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm already sold on Mechageddon, Jenny, but I do have a question: <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> What? How big are these mechs? What's the scale of these mechs? You're talking about mechs versus kaiju here, which you know yeah. I'm 100 down for. But how big are these mechs that we're talking? Is this like Pacific Rim? mechs or, like,
5: Gundam mechs?
0: Like, where are they at?
5: So, yeah, they're I think they're a little closer to Pacific Rim. Um, in game terms, they vary, so like, again, this uses the, this expands on and uses the rules from Tech Revolution, and mechs in that book and in and in Mechageddon are anywhere from, so typically, like, huge gargantuan, and, and there are some colossal mechs. So, huge is typically, it's gonna be, like, 16 to 20-ish feet tall. Um, I think after that, like, gargantuan is, like, 26 to I think like up to like in the fifties, um, and with colossal you could have anything from like you know sixty something feet tall to more. Like it could be sixty and, plus. And so, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. So like there's a little bit of there's kind of a little fudging. Like those are not exact, other than like the base sizes for for tactical map purposes. Those aren't exactly um, laid out. Although I did see that our art uh, Kyle, our, our super awesome art person Thirsty mentioned earlier, was working on something really cool for the covers where there's going to be like a, a little lineup of some of the the new mechs that are presented in that book as stat blocks with art and he's going to line those up so you can see like they're they're relative to each oh, other's yeah, size yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. so if nothing else you can kind of get a visual for like how big are these things relative to each other and you know um, and the biggest mechs are on par with the size of like a, a colossus or a kaiju which is the yeah. term more folks
4: out it's also interesting as i have the the pdf up on my other monitor because i'm <laughs> tricky like that Thirsty. i can see things like open <laughs> parenthetical <Thirsty>. starship <laughs>
1: form and i'm like oh, oh,
3: yeah. oh. oh.
1: oh. Uh, jessica is wow. there anything going on in your world in the in the future when it, what do we got to look forward to in society what's what's the next year can you talk to us about that
2: Oh, I can't tell you what next year's season is. No, we're, <laughs> current, <laughs> we're currently on the year of Fortune's Fall, which is ongoing and is going to... it. This is a full year, and then after that we have one whole more full year of Starfinder Society. We're going right up to nearly the launch of Starfinder 2nd Edition. So we're going all the way through the end. We will have support for Starfinder adventures all the way through this year. Currently, we're uh, in the middle of an ongoing election to elect the next first seeker of the Starfinder Society. That happened
1: at Gen Con, huh? Is it through a couple of
2: different... Yeah, we've got uh, our candidates. You can look them up online. Um, And there is an adventure that came out at Gen Con and it introduces, it gives you a chance to go on a little mini mission which each of our four possible candidates. Every one of these candidates was somebody's actual player's PC in In society. uh, In Starfinder Society, they reached the highest kind of like levels as you can get in organized play. They submitted their characters by buying us with your points you get through the campaign, a special boon that like makes them be a candidate. And uh, internally, we got to go through all of those people who submitted, narrow it down, try to figure out what are four great candidates who are totally different from each other but any of whom could carry us through into the next season of starfinder society and not only that beyond that into second edition because right. whoever we elect is they're still there. the first thing yeah for they're second
1: there yeah. <laughs> a
4: they'll book. get We're art in the it. core rule book and everything <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> right. uh, so that, that's so yeah. cool
1: that's so such a cool integration of players into the world yes. i just love that so much that's
2: a really big part of organized play, right? Is we have, most adventurers have a little thing for your GM to fill out at the end on reporting conditions. Did you do X thing? Did you kill or, um, you know, befriend X person? Did the person get away with this thing, right? There's always like little things for them to keep, and we keep track of that internally and that informs where we go next. Like if there's a chance X villain survived and majority of people who have played it, Check the box that says they survived. Well, they survived, and that's where I'm running with that next, right?
0: Gotcha. So, Do you have, right like, from... break glass in case of X, <laughs> Y, or Z or anything like that? <laughs> well,
2: got to be a little open. <laughs> yeah. Ready to run with whatever might happen, right? Because sure. that's an important part of it, right? It's a living campaign in that sense. Now, I know technically all of our setting, right, is a living campaign, right? If we have put out adventures and adventure paths, when it comes time to push forward we'll consider what happened right like that happened right but for Starfighter society we get that data quick and we're already implementing it by the time you know six months down the road a year down the road right well oh, like, we got
4: our book printed in that time yeah, <laughs> like yeah like we're
2: already turning around hey they did this awesome thing so now where do we go from there right and so it's really nice especially when it comes to our first seeker election to get to Uh, acknowledge all the awesome characters that we got sent and put out some really different ones. And now not only are these four totally different characters, you know, who are not my creation, who are somebody else's babies, right, coming out there to give us different places they can lead us going forward, right? They each have different objectives and different goals and different values, but they also are interested in different things. So if you know, Aurora, who really likes, like, social media and stuff like that and entertainment and wants to like help improve how star finders themselves can tell their own stories rather than letting other media outlets tell stories about us, right? If she wins, well, that's going to affect what our next season is, right? But if Mm. the person who's interested in finding out who the heck the first ones were wins, well, then that's going to totally change to a totally different season. Right, right? right,
1: right. Whoever wins... So you Whoever literally can't tell us what so next cool. year is because yeah. you don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. I don't know yet.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And the voting is all by our fans. Like if you go That's online so to cool. our website, you can find, you can read up on all four. We have amazing little um, campaign flyers for each of them. Yes. You can yes. like just print and look at, they all look awesome. Oh, so <laughs> nice. good. With little campaign yeah. slogans and stuff. They're just great. And uh, yeah, like, after voting, then I will know who wins and very frantically go, okay, where do we go from here, yeah.
3: right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah.
2: Well, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting this year, for sure.
0: Sweet. Yeah, awesome. I, I, I've i never played any society, but there's so much that happens in society that sounds so interesting, you know, and I, I hope that I get a chance to do that before. Uh, I know we got two years, and maybe I'll catch you on a con or something, you know, for some society games. Um But Starfinder 1E has a, had a really good run obviously it's it's my favorite game system i've ever played i love it um you've all said that you love it right so i'm mm-hmm. curious each of you what is what is your favorite starfinder 1e adventure that you've read or played and what is your favorite class in the system
6: as it is now let's start with dustin
3: yeah i go oh all
6: right um uh my favorite adventure that I've read is probably uh Drift Hackers. Um, I'm a big sucker for for I don't know how much this spoils it, come to think of it, but he, I'm a big sucker for the themes of that AP. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I was say, maybe we should <laughs> add a caveat to this that we do play yeah. some of
1: these adventures, yeah. you know, uh, and yes. that is definitely next on our agenda to do the drift ones. Uh, so. um,
6: and as for playing, uh, my favorite campaign of all time in any system ever uh, is uh, <laughs> probably a home game. It's uh, Teenage Wasteland, GM by Alexander Agunis. It's been going on for about. Three years now, and um, we play like teenagers in space, going on adventures.
3: And, and yeah, the, we yeah. We devour. <laughs> we uh, do that it's, too. Really yeah, it's fun, fun yeah. to do that. Yeah. No.
6: yeah, uh It's it's been incredible, awesome. The role play between sessions has been great. The whole thing's been been fantastic. Uh, the devourer did just eat our existence, but whatever. Yeah, we'll sometimes that. that happens, you know. It happens. Yeah. Um, what about class? Yeah. Oh, class, class. Probably the class I played in that game. Uh, probably mystic. Um, it has mm. such great role-playing opportunities for, for bringing together the party, and I, I really appreciate yeah,
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it worked uh, out that Dustin did the,
4: the first draft of the Mystic for second edition. Yeah, it oh. sounds like that. Right. Yeah.
0: I'm holding you to a high standard, <laughs> Dustin. You should. you should. Thank you. I, w- I want my class to be good Sitting 2E, okay? It's so... All right.
4: It's, <laughs> right. so right yeah. oh, it's so
0: good right now. It's so good. Fantastic. What about you, Jenny? Favorite adventure, favorite class?
5: Uh, That's not Mechageddon. Okay. Dang uh, yeah. it. I can't say Mechageddon. Uh, it, it's, it's great, though. Uh, so I think probably. Uh, Starfinder Society number one, I think it's number 115. Uh, Star Sugar Heart Love is, oh, like, is going to so always good. forever oh, be so my good. favorite by Eleanor Farron. Like, amazing yeah. adventure. Shout out to Eleanor.
1: We love you. Yeah. Yes, yes.
5: Wonderful adventure. And we love Strawberry Machine Cake. Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Eleanor, for for bringing them to Starfinder. Uh, we've got plans for them and we've got some really cool plans for, uh, I don't know, maybe some merch for them sometime. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, neat. Um, so, something could happen there. Uh so so that I would also say that probably like the best home game I was ever in was one that old Thurston here was jamming for us uh for some friends of mine and I that went on for for quite a few years uh Pungent Crawl which led into another game Death of Virtue. And my favorite class is it's probably an operative. I mean, they're totally balanced. Power
1: gamer. <laughs> totally balanced.
5: <laughs> 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 I just I really... would
1: be cool if they could do anything in the skills department. But, yeah, uh, I know. But unfortunately, oh,
5: they I'm can. sorry. I have
0: to leave this call. <laughs> 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 I gotta walk my goldfish, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. What about you, Jesco? Uh, same question.
2: Uh so a lot of my favorite adventures are Starfinder Society scenarios. Uh number one three, one of the very first ones we did, yesterday's truth by Jason Keeley, was just amazing. It's wonderful. Play it if you haven't. One fourteen, like Jenny said, Star Sugar Heart Love is the best. I'm it's sorry. So no arguments. So it's good. not yeah, love. so good. Uh 109, Live Exploration Extreme. Like where you're going, on a, yes, yeah, you're going yeah. on a yes, you're going on a Weird dungeon delve into a weird complex inside a moon, and also they're recording you for uh, <laughs> reality TV. It's uh, so just <laughs> bonkers, and I the love couch. it, and it's great. Like, there's so many just like really fun, weird Starfinder Society scenarios because they're short and you can just, there's a lot of weird ones, and they're great fun. There's also a sequel to Star Sugar Heart Love, a Star Sugar Superstar which is 5-8 oh, uh, and it's like a um the starfinder society is hosting like a battle of the bands american idol-esque <laughs> competition and it has celebrity judges and one of the judges is one of the members of star of uh, strawberry machine cake and it turns into you're just supposed to like help out and make everything go off according to plan and it turns into like a madcap lighthearted almost scooby-doo-esque mystery where someone has tried to like poison the member of strawberry machine cake and that is not okay so you have to figure out who done it and stuff like that and it's just like goofy lighthearted it's just super fun nice. um yes um and then for longer form adventures i really enjoyed the drift hackers ap um nice. it does a lot of fun stuff with the drift That's prices. Too. it's fun to go to alluvion <laughs> it's just fun yeah um and for modules i'm gonna be super pompous and say my favorites when i wrote i love redshift <laughs> rally it was like the most fun i had writing pretty much anything in
1: uh redshift rally we we time, ran that so. for uh one of our you know one of our twitch shows and i i gotta tell you it challenged me in ways as a gm <laughs> that i've never been challenged before i actually reached out to you during that because i w- i just it was it was such a different approach to a starfinder adventure and it turned it, it like you know by the end of it like uh, we just really fell in love with it you know but man did you Put some work on me. Forty five dang NPCs that I had (laughs) (laughs) that were like all right there that they could talk to at any time in any order that they wanted. So like prepping for it was kind of crazy, but like it was such a it was a very cool adventure, and I loved like the tour of the different like locales that you got to do, yeah, do as part it, of that. Yeah.
2: It's like a hey, you're going on a race across the packed world. Here's some amazing iconic places. Oh, by the way, this is actually a social sandbox. Have fun yeah, right. interacting <laughs> with like all the fellow racers. What's going on? Like little did you know it's not just about the racing. Right. Like it was that's actually the part that drew me to it most is the chance to like do a very different style of adventure with a lot of fun npcs and characters that can react to you right and you're the driving force there it was like just imagine me behind the scenes with like one of those conspiracy walls except they're all like just npcs and the adventure and the little webs and
1: (laughs) i can imagine i probably had to recreate it on my (laughs) little pin board right here yeah
2: well you're welcome
1: (laughs) thank you thank you jessica
0: all right what about what about your favorite class jessica Favorite class. Oh,
2: um, I love how iconic a Solarian is. I love a good Solarian. I also love a Mystic. I like playing spellcasters. I love picking mm-hmm. the connections. Just Mystics are great fun. But probably, if I had to just pick one, I'm going Solarian. Solarian.
0: Burn. I'm with you there too. <laughs> you can't be the yeah. lifesaver. What about you, Thirsty? Yeah
4: oh wow um well since jessica like i don't know took a bulldozer through like most of the options <laughs> that <I was> gonna <laughs> pick for modules I, i'll um and all of those are great and all of those are high i'm gonna go adventure wise i'm gonna go with a scenario i developed i didn't write jesse benner wrote this one um It's one of my favorite for a very particular reason. It's number 118, the Black Moon Survey. And the reason I really like that one is that it has a map. It has an infamous map on it that is a half-page map that has a one square equals 30 feet. And it was the first time we ever put like a real sniper battle into Starfinder 1st Edition. And let me tell you, if you were that player who was like playing a sniper, you got to live the dream. And if you weren't that player, you You got to live a living hell. You got to feel like the
1: sniper operative in every other game of Starfighter. Because
4: you're like, I move one square. I, I i double move
3: they can still shoot me, oh god yeah oh and like the comments
4: well I, I i hold that in high regard um because like it, it kind of actually comes back to like some of the approaches we're taking with second edition right like we want to establish that this game is a bit different and showcase like how it can be different in some of those things like like ranged combat being you know pretty important in our game um but on top of that, I guess if I had to, to pick some other options, um, long form campaign, I'm going to also be a bit self-aggrandizing and say that the two campaigns, Pungent and Crawl and uh, Death of Virtue, which I ran with Jess and friends, uh, is like kind of my my hallmark of Starfinder and what I ran for it. Um, if you got ports of call, there's a lovely poster map in the back of it. And that poster <laughs> map has a section of space that's like one of like, I don't know, like four sections of space that gets like a little cutout called Casmurg's Absurdity that's been mentioned offhandedly once. And that that, like from the start of Starfinder, was kind of this little playground I started building there. And now, since no one stopped me and I'm managing creative director, <laughs> well, I can do whatever I. I want and i can put it into our maps and do cool stuff with it um so that was super fun and, and exciting and i've really enjoyed that um as far as classes go um oh, i'm gonna say i'm really enjoying the second edition soldier right now but i know you're you're actually going for first edition i, and am, as, I am as much as i love the the precog that i wrote um yeah i think i guess. Yeah, well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick that one. I love it, I love it, but I'm actually gonna go in Camp Solarian um, because I think Solarian is such an iconic class, um, and it's awesome. ironic because I so just, awesome. I just finished the pass on the Solarian for Tui for one of our upcoming playtests, and I'm very excited to see how that pans out.
3: So.
0: Cool. Oh, I, I think we all are.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's. For sure it's got a
4: lot of the themes people love and maybe not some of the cruft people didn't love. And that's the hopes.
0: So. Yeah, right, right, right. Naturally. Yes, absolutely. Well, we have taken up enough of your time already. And, and thank you again for, for joining us Truly. real quick. Can y'all, uh, if you want to shout out your socials or anything like where, where people can find you, if, if uh, if they were so inclined. Or, or to where that.
1: people can't find you, if
0: that's yeah, what you're- Yeah, that's yeah. What you're, give, <laughs> give them somebody else's Twitter <laughs> handle or something so they can go bother them.
5: We're some, all so some... quiet. I'll start- Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there we go. So again, I'm Jenny Jarzowski, senior developer for Starfinder. You can find me uh, on most social media as Space Princess J, just the letter J. Uh, I think Twitter, blue sky. I think Twitch, sometimes I stream. not Not much, but sometimes, no promises.
6: Okay. All right, Dustin. Uh, Dustin Knight, Starfinder developer. You could find me as Kitsune Warlock on most uh social media. Wait a second. Uh, oh.
4: You said Kitsune was a wasn't
6: intentional. <laughs> you bamboozled us. <laughs> I mean, I rolled the D100, and it's not my fault. My table's 1 through 99 Kitsune, 100 re roll. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, blah. you can also find my Discord at infinite.net, where we it's a Discord community for Starfinder and Pathfinder Infinite uh, creators, developers, uh, fans. Yeah. And I'm on there, and you could then DM me and tell me that you need something very specific and particular in the new game. <laughs> and and we'll see
0: about
1: it. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> you can do and that part will... of it and, then... <laughs> and I will. Yeah.
0: You'll say, "Okay, cool, cool, cool." No
2: promises. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. What about you, Jessica?
2: I'm Jessica Catalan, the starfinder Society developer, and you can find me on most social media at D20Diaries.
4: Nice. Okay. And Thurston. Hi, I'm Thurston Hillman, the Managing Creative Director for Starfinder, who makes too many jokes and probably talks too much. Uh, But you can listen to me more and find me (laughs) on all the things at On Call GM. Otherwise, you can also find me over at the uh, Narrative Declaration um, channel. We do a Pathfinder 2E uh, live play and a variety of other shows. Um, That's at like Narrative Declar because we couldn't get the E. Thanks, X, Twitter, whatever your name is for having too many character counts on it um but yeah you can find me there i do some gming otherwise you can harangle me on the social medias and i just want to say um thank you to you folks for inviting us on and having us here again we're trying to make this the most open conversation we've had both about you know tui and the remaining one e products that we have that you can see we're all pretty excited about Mm -hmm. still Um, this is just like you know this is a community at the end of the day and we want to be a part of it and you know converse with our fans and get news out there and you know we're always down for being on shows and talking
1: we're so yeah, thankful we're, to have all of you here giving us your time this evening. And yeah. I, I really appreciate you digging into to the whole scope of what two E is going to be and what it means to you and to us. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you all for coming. Uh it was it was great getting to chat with you. And uh yeah, nothing else to do but tell you till next time. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. We'll see. We'll see you. See ya.
0: <laughs> I got to run watch a soak in Oh, that's today. That's today. Yeah. Yeah.